Hi, this is Brandon Chintani from Mind Design Sports, and I'm here today with Kathleen Small. Kathleen is an author and editor who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. She has written more than two dozen nonfiction books for students in the fifth grade through high school, including books on technology, sports, health, and several biographies. Among these books is a series called Mind vs. Muscle, The Psychology of Sports, in which Kathleen highlights how psychology is as important as physical fitness and strength in a wide variety of sports, ranging from football to basketball and soccer and more. Thank you for joining us, Kathleen, and I'm excited you're here to speak with us. Oh, thank you. I'm excited, too. Well, how are you doing? Could you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, I'm doing great. And uh, background, I have a bachelor's and a master's in English, and I worked as an editor for several, quite a few years, really, before I got started writing. And uh, through my contacts as an editor, I started getting writing jobs, so that's how I fell into that. And um, actually, I've, I've um, now written more than 75 books, so oh, clearly wow. I need to um, update my profile <laughs> on the editor's forum. <laughs> and how did you become interested in sports psychology? To be honest, when you write nonfiction books for young readers, often it's the publisher that approaches you with an idea. So I did not come up with the idea. They approached me and said they had an idea for a series and would I be interested in writing it. And uh, I said, sure. To be honest, I was interested in the psychology part of it. Um, and my husband is a sports nut. So he was sort of interested in me doing oh, okay. it because of the sports end of it. So were you familiar with like all these sports or did you have to do oh, a yeah. lot of research? Um, I had to do research, but I was familiar with them. Uh, honestly, the one that was the hardest for me was football. That's oh. the one I'm least familiar with, but my husband is a, just a font of football knowledge and a total football geek. So um, I wrote the manuscript on that and then had him read it and uh, oh, make good. sure that I wasn't completely yeah. off base with my football knowledge. So. <laughs> and would you mind telling us a little bit about the six books and like how you what you wrote about them? Oh, sure. Um they all kind of followed the same pattern in that they talked, uh, the publisher wanted them all to cover kind of the same aspects of psychology, of sports psychology, but not be directly repeating information. So they all talk about some of the same techniques like visualization mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing, but put it in, in context of the different sports. So there's baseball, basketball, Football, hockey, lacrosse, um, and soccer, mm -hmm. I believe, is what we ended up with. At one point, they had wanted wrestling, but I can't remember if they ever had me finish that one. Like, did you have in each book, like, certain chapters you talk about visualization, or how did the chapters go? They start out, refreshing my memory here, start out by talking about the psychology of the sport and what sports psychology is. Um, and then they cover the basics of the sport, um, just because if somebody's reading it that really doesn't know much about the sport, they kind of need to have the basic idea. Mm. A couple chapters talk about specific ways you can use sports psychology to improve your performance in the sport, um, both on a personal level and as a team sport. Cool. And for the younger audience, what is sports psychology specifically and how is it important for athletes? Well, basically, it's um, kind of getting inside your own head and your own mental state to help yourself be a better athlete because, you know, there are the elite athletes among us who are fantastic at what they do, 
just naturally. And, uh, you know, they have their own psychology that they use to help improve their game. Mm -hmm. And then for the rest of us who maybe enjoy sports, but aren't naturally like incredibly gifted, you know, yeah. we're not the Steph Curry's of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, we can all improve our game by using techniques of psychology that can be used in other areas too. Like for example, visualization is one where you picture yourself doing something well. So if it's basketball, you picture yourself over and over making the three point shot and you improve your game by picturing that. And it really relates to anything you want to do. Like if you're not a good public speaker, you can picture yourself public speaking um, to improve doing that. It can apply to anything, but in particular, um, you can apply it to sports and help improve your game. And, and like focus is another one, improving your focus. That helps you for everything, right? It helps yeah. you with schoolwork, it helps you with a job. But in a sport, it's extremely helpful because a lot of times you're playing in front of a, you know, a packed stadium or stands or bleachers or whatever um, when we're not in the middle of a global pandemic. And uh, it can be very distracting. Like the cheers of the crowd can be very uplifting and can up your game. But then sometimes you get booed. Sometimes you get heckled and that can be really distracting. So, um, yes, very much. So yeah. learning to focus um, is incredibly helpful and helps improve your game overall. Cool. And so these tactics like visualization and goal setting and focus, improving your focus, how young do you think like kids can start to understand that? Is it too complex? Is it only for like older athletes? I think anything can be brought down to any age. Um, like I think about, you know, when my son was five and he started soccer, um, did he understand meditation? No. And a lot of athletes find meditation useful, but goal setting could, you know, like if he's frustrated because he hasn't scored a goal, maybe he sets a goal for himself to score before the end of the season. Or if he's having trouble dribbling the ball, maybe he uses visualization and we tell him, you know, picture yourself dribbling the ball down the field and, and picture moving it between your two feet as you're running down the field. And I think anybody can understand that. You just need to put it in terms that are understandable for a young age. So I know you're very good at talking to younger, younger age group, like nine to 12 years old and the grades like elementary grades. So did you like to focus on the younger age group? Do you think it was easier to talk about these tactics and these techniques? Um, I actually write for older age groups as well. This book, this, this series of books, the publisher wanted it for that age group. So that's why I wrote it for that age group. Um, at the same time, my oldest son falls into that age group. So I was always happy to take projects for that age group because um, it was pretty easy for me to um, know how to speak to them because I have a son that age and he has friends and, you know, I'm, I'm around kids that age quite a lot. Yeah. Cool. So what do you think the biggest challenges are in for kids in sports versus like the older age group, like in college or like the major leagues? I think kids sometimes have a hard time um, with the frustration aspect of, you know, when you're a kid, you dream big and you, you want to be the Steph Curry, yeah. right? Um, and then when you're not, it can be frustrating and discouraging. 
Um, so I think the motivation can be challenging. When you're older, it's much easier to kind of shake off, okay, I had a bad game or a couple bad games, but I'm going to get my head back in it because I know I can do this well. And when you're really young, it's sometimes hard to do that. If you have a bad game or a bad couple games, it's uh, kids sometimes think, well, I'm just not good at this. I don't want to do this anymore. So you think it's like they can't really move on and they like ruminate about their bad performances? <laughs> The kids I know do. I'm, there may be exceptions to that rule, but the kids I know um, don't really have the patience sometimes to keep working at something when they get frustrated. And I think patience just comes with maturity. So, Yeah. And going back to like visualization, like how can that younger age group implement it and like how can it be beneficial to them? Well, I think a, a parent or coach's guidance is really helpful at that young age because if you tell a six-year-old to go visualize themselves making, you know, a free throw or something like that, they're going to get distracted probably by <laughs> whatever, their Star Wars toys or, you know, whatever they're into at the time. But um, you can walk kids through things, you know, now close your eyes. Now think about you're on the court and you're standing at the free throw line and what do you see? And you, you know, you can engage them. If you're just sort of lecturing to them, their mind's going to drift. They're going to start to imagine other things, whatever. But if you can engage them, like, what do you see right now? How does it feel on the court? And, and get them in on that visualization. You can kind of walk them through that. Okay. Because I was just asking that question because I feel like many teenagers and kids get that misconception that like sports psychology is only for older professional athletes. So... Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask for an example about that. Yeah. And what are your main tips and important things to keep in mind for student athletes, maybe for sports psychology in general? You know, one of the big things um, in sports psychology is setting goals for yourself. So uh, when you're on a team, there's always that star player who's fabulous. And maybe that's you, but maybe it's not. And if it's not you... It's so important to set goals to better yourself. You don't need to be better than that star athlete. You just need to improve on yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you, um, you know, are playing hockey and you didn't score any goals, your goal for yourself is to get the puck in the net one time per game or, you know, something like that. Um, not to beat the guy who scores five times in the game. So I think that would be my big tip. Like you're your own biggest competition and just set small goal goals to try to improve your own performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how can these younger uh, athletes like avoid this comparing? Because I know it's not very healthy for as an athlete. No, it's not. What's that saying? Comparison is the thief of joy, I mm -hmm. think is the saying. Yeah. Um, and this is, again, where I think that coaches and parents and, you know, mentors come into it of uh, reminding kids not to compare themselves to somebody else. And with my own children, when they do that, I tend to remind them of something they're very good at. Like, well, you know, maybe you weren't the best on the soccer field, but, um, you know, remember you got an A on your I don't know, history project or whatever. I tend to remind them of something they did do well so that they don't get into that spiral of self-doubt, like I'm not good at anything and everybody's better at everything than me. Um, 
and then just bring it back to, so how, how are we going to improve on the soccer field or how are we going to improve on the basketball court? What's one thing you want to do better next game and let's focus on that. Mm -hmm. And just off the top of your head, if you have any like resources that you could tell our audience about that you think are most helpful regarding sports psychology, maybe it was telling your, um, your son about like, any websites or books? Most of the resources I found were more generally on sports or generally on psychology. There weren't like a lot of good sports psychology references mm. for kids on it. Um, I would say any psychology reference aimed at children, many of them are applicable. Like I was saying earlier, like a lot of the things that you do psychologically to help yourself be a healthy person apply in sports you know you mm, you do affirmations you remind yourself what you're good at you set goals for yourself you visualize where you want to be um those kinds of things are all just general sort of psychological well-being principles so cool and this is a lot of information for kids to process and if there's just one thing that you want them to remember from the podcast what would it be I think that everybody's good at something and you do not have to be the star player to enjoy playing sports and to contribute something to your team. Um, like I mentioned, just trying to better yourself is going to make you a better player. And that means you're contributing something. So if you enjoy it, go out and do it. You don't have to be the best. You have to have fun and you have to contribute. Well, thanks again for your time, energy and thoughts. I'm sure our audience appreciates this information. No, you're welcome. Thanks. I was glad to do it. Thanks.